Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world, with the MD, Dr. DJ Verrett. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett, and today we continue another edition of our Physician Mental Wellness series by talking with Dr. Peter Yellowlees, the Chief Wellness Officer of UC Davis Health, about the programs he's instituted to maintain physician mental health. We'll talk with Peter right after this. Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. Today I'm talking with Chris Hansen of Alliance Bank. And Chris, with mortgage interest rates so good, what should we talk about in refinancing? Yeah, DJ, thank you so much for having us. Given the historically low interest rate environment we're in today, it's certainly a great time for a homeowner, a business owner, a commercial real estate owner to revisit uh, their current interest rate structure on any transactions uh, they may have with their bank or mortgage company. Uh, we can assist on both sides of that, residential and commercial. Uh, we approach uh, all of our lending on a relationship basis, uh, so we get to know our customers. We are definitely a long-term vision type of company. Uh, we've been 95 years in Texas, Texas only bank, and pleased to serve this Collin County market from my office as well as contiguous counties. And if physicians are interested in contacting you, what's the best way to get in touch? Office email address, chansen, C-H-A-N-S-E-N, at alliancebank.com. And for more information about Alliance Bank, check them out on the web at alliancebank.com. Welcome back to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett, and today we have the great pleasure of being joined by Dr. Peter Yellowlees, psychiatrist and chief wellness officer at UC Davis. We're going to be talking about physician well-being. Dr. Yellowlees, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me, DJ. I, I, um, I was very impressed with the work that you're doing out there, which is why I reached out. But for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. I mean, I'm uh, a sort of fairly, fairly peripatetic uh, person. I was born and brought up in Britain and went to medical school in London at uh, University College London. Uh, I then moved to Australia and spent 20 years in Australia where I trained in psychiatry and did a PhD and uh, got used to treating lots of physicians and have always had physicians referred to me as patients. Uh, then I got recruited by the University of California uh, back in about 2004 and I've been on faculty there at Davis uh, ever since um, and have continued treating physicians as patients uh, wearing my psychiatric hat. Um, but uh, for the last 10 years or so, I've been chair of our Wellbeing Committee, which is a, a JCO mandated um, committee that all health systems have to have, that is there to support and help uh, physicians with possible impairment from either psychiatric or substance related problems. Uh, and then finally, I guess uh, the health system set up a position of chief wellness officer about two years ago, for, and I was appointed to that. And uh, in that role, uh, which is a half-time role. Um, uh, my main responsibility is actually trying to change the culture of our health system, to change the way we work organizationally, um, and to make life uh, easier and more efficient um, and more acceptable for, uh, for physicians. 
Um, as part of that, I clearly also work across with other disciplines. So I do a lot of work with, uh, with the nurses in particular, uh, but also with all of our staff. So it's really interesting. It's, it's all about actually you know, keeping our, uh, our, our health workers uh, healthy. And uh, obviously in COVID, that's been difficult at times. Um, but I think it's a role that uh, increasing numbers of health systems around the country are taking up. Because in reality, if you don't look after your health workers, they can't look after your patients. And I know that uh, as part of that role as well, you've started some work with the local medical society in a Joy of Medicine program. Can you tell us a little bit about what that program entails? Sure. So this is the Sierra Sacramento Valley Medical Society. And, and you know, most areas have their own local medical society. Um, ours has about 6,000 members here in Northern California across six counties. Um, and this is a program run by the SSVMS. I just happen to be involved in it. I'm on the, uh, the, the sort of committee that uh, manages the program. But really, it's a program run by the SSVMS. And I'd encourage anybody listening to go to ssvms.org and put in Joy of Medicine, and you'll get all of the details of the program. Um, so essentially, what is a program about? It has a range of different uh, facets to it. Um, there are regular talks and, uh, and uh, an annual educational summit, which in fact this month or this year has been run across a month. So instead of having a, a full day of, of education, it's been two hours a week uh, for four weeks uh, during September. And that, I think, has gone very well. Um, we uh, organize um, for... Um, essentially a series of support services for physicians who may be suffering from burnout or, or other difficulties. Um, so the uh, SSCMS actually pays for free coaching uh, for up to six sessions per physician. And we've had well over 100 of our local physicians take up this option of going to see a coach. We've also set up a, a system whereby any physician from our region can urgently be seen by one of our psychiatrists here at UC Davis. Um, so we have essentially a quick route for physicians to get psychiatric care if they, if they need that. And obviously, as you well know, it's sometimes very difficult to get in to see a psychiatrist. Um, we do a lot of educational things. Um, so we, we regularly run podcasts. Um, I've been one of the uh, facilitators of those for the last few months. Um, we have a lot of resources about physician well-being. We organize a series of meetups, which uh, prior to COVID were physical meetups in people's homes. Um, and, and in COVID, they've been uh, obviously virtual. Um, and then uh, we also, about 18 months ago, did a survey of all of our members, looking at not just the prevalence of, of stress and burnout, um, but also what other types of services and what other types of assistance would the local doctors want from their medical society and from the four big health systems that all uh, work in our area. So it's a, it's a very active, uh, busy program. And it's something that I think all local medical societies should really think about uh, as, uh, as a real value to, uh, to physicians, particularly physicians in private practice uh, who uh, can get very isolated at times. That is a, a fascinating program. And I, I totally agree um, I, in our area, probably 50 plus percent of the physicians are in private practice, uh, and that isolation is, is very real for them. I can, I can speak to it personally. Um, it, it gets difficult when you're not in that large, uh, group setting to, to make those connections. And 
start feeling isolated and and just kind of get down in the dumps sometimes. I think that's true, and I think uh, you know one of the one of the more popular elements of ours has been the the meetups that uh, have been arranged. Um, and uh, it's not, and again, obviously, people in private practice find that helpful. But you know, I work for you know a major university system, uh, and yet I don't get to meet colleagues who work for maybe for Kaiser or for Sutter or for some of the other health systems in our area. And so it actually gives us the opportunity of interacting with colleagues um, in other systems that we simply wouldn't normally have. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, just about physician burnout um, in, in suicides, mental health, and kind of maybe some things that you've seen that have worked to help physicians stay mentally healthy. Um, you know, physicians, obviously, statistics show suffer suicide at a rate probably double the general population. Um, but is that something that is, is predestined or is that something that evolves over time with the job? I think it's, it's certainly not predestined. I mean, we know from lots of studies that when uh, we all enter medical school, that we're actually psychologically healthier than equivalent uh, graduate students entering PhD programs, for instance. Um, so we know, and, and we know that it's very difficult to get into medical school. You've got to be able to jump a lot of hoops and be very resilient to do that. Um, so we know that inherently physicians are actually highly resilient people. We have to be to get through the, the, the system we, we, uh, we work in. Um, but we do work in a really horrible system. I think it's really, we need to be very clear about that. Uh, the, uh, the organization of healthcare is, is pretty chaotic uh, across the whole of this country and in many other countries. Um, and, uh, and I think professionally, we have uh, uh, some real deficits in our professional culture. Uh, one of which is, you know, the, the denial of our own needs. Um, in the Hippocratic Oath, for instance, there is no mention of the needs of a physician to look after themselves, to be able to look after other people. Uh, and so we, we tend to get trained uh, in a culture that, that says that 100 hours work a week is fantastic, um, that we can really do well without sleep, um, that uh, if we're really tired, then maybe uh, you know some, some, a glass or two of wine is is the, the best treatment, uh, you know, or beer or whiskey or whatever, um, uh, and that uh, we should treat ourselves uh, for our own problems rather than having a primary care physician, uh, and uh, and so we tend not to uh, get good treatment when we have uh, either potential problems, be they mental health problems or physical problems, um, and. Uh, and and we we tend to deny our own need, deny our own needs. So I think there's a huge um, reason to change the culture of medicine. So that first of all, it becomes much more reasonable to get help when you need it for whatever reason. Secondly, that we need to be able to actually talk to our colleagues when we see our colleagues becoming unwell and take them aside carefully and quietly and have a chat with them and suggest that they get help. Um, you know, if, if you're like, uh, like me, DJ, you've probably seen colleagues in the past who you knew were having difficult times, but who you were too embarrassed to talk to about. Um, and uh, so we need to be prepared to uh, help ourselves and help our colleagues. And then we need to have good access to care in a way that is not stigmatizing and, uh, and relatively easy to organize. And so all of these things need to be, we need to change a, a lot of things about our whole profession and about the way we are organized and the way we work. 
It's, a, it's really, I mean, it sounds ridiculously simple. Um, but, uh, you know, if we don't do this, there's just going to be more and more suicides. You mentioned um, looking out for our fellow physicians, and, and I have seen other physicians who I know are stressed. What do you see as the best way, though, of approaching them in a way that becomes constructive and doesn't end up pushing them further away? I think that's a really great question. And, and actually, that's something we're training our residents to do at the moment. Um, and in fact, the AAMC and um, a number of other uh, groups are actually taking that particular issue on as a specific sort of learning objective um, for, uh, for younger physicians. So, so the best approach, uh, quite honestly, is to um, just try and take your colleague or your friend somewhere that's fairly neutral. I've done this on several occasions during my career. I actually tend to try and just go out to a local coffee shop. I just say to somebody, hey, look, you know, we haven't caught up for a while. Um, you know, I'm just a bit concerned about you. How about, you know, we go and have a bit of a chat about it. And, uh, they, and, and then just suggest that you go, you know, outside of the normal work environment, go somewhere neutral, go somewhere where if they get embarrassed or start uh, getting distressed, um, you know, it's actually a safer place for them. Um, and, uh, and then just try and listen to people. Just learn to listen. Uh, as physicians, we tend to want to fix problems too quickly sometimes. And in these situations, it's much better just to give the person the opportunity of talking about what the issues are and listen. Um, sometimes listening is all you need to do. Um, obviously, if you then know of resources to help, that's great. But the first stage is just acknowledging that there's a problem and listening. Obviously, it's one thing to identify a friend who may have an issue, but it's another to kind of come to that self-realization. There's a lot of discussion in physician boards, message boards I see about people feeling burned out and wanting to leave medicine. Are there specific things that you've noticed in the practice of medicine? I know you've said there's systemic issues, there, there are personal care issues, but is there something specific that you've noticed that really pushes physicians towards that feeling of burnout? Yeah, I think we, we need to start acknowledging that actually being a physician can be quite traumatic and that we get um, uh, sort of exposed to a lot of painful, difficult and distressing incidents. Um, and unfortunately, we're trained to just deny this. We're trained to sort of, you know, take a stiff upper lip and carry on working and and, you know, if we can, uh, we, we have a distressing time with one patient, we somehow got to pull ourselves together and be completely on top of everything for the next patient. Um, so I think we've got to start thinking about the whole sort of world of trauma and the incidents that affect us. And how can we best learn to cope with those in a way that is helpful for us and allows and keeps us fit, rather than just, you know, denying the whole problem. Um, so, for instance, one of the programs that we're doing at uh, UC Davis at the moment is training a lot of physicians and nurses and other staff in, the, um, in essentially the, the process of what we call psychological first aid, which is really the capacity to listen well to someone and to then assist them and, and organize resources and referrals um, if necessary. Um, but acknowledging that there are traumas and there are difficult incidents that we all have 
and giving people a chance to recover from those. Um, it, it's very, I mean, it actually sounds ridiculously simple, um, but uh, it's not something we tend to do as physicians. We somehow feel we've got to be the heroes all the time. Is there a way to, I know as physicians, we kind of look at administrators as the, the penny counters of the organizations. Is, has there been a quantification put on or is there some framework we could quantify the dollars and cents of physician, of the importance of physician mental health to larger organizations? Um, yes, there absolutely is. In fact, there's been some very nice work done uh, by Tate Shanafelt uh, at uh, Stanford and by some of his colleagues at Mayo, where he used to be looking at um, leadership in particular and the costs of burnout. Um, and we know that uh, in the US, uh, the, the average burnt out physician costs uh, the health system they work for about $6,000 per year. Um, and if you assume that somewhere between 30 and 40% of your physicians are showing some signs of burnout, that becomes a very considerable cost um, and is something that health systems are now very aware of and, and have increasingly become aware of. So I think that that brings you on to, again, the culture of health systems. I mean, over the last 15, 20, 30 years, they've clearly been excessively driven from a financial perspective. Um, my view is that uh, the main single, uh, um, I guess, talent that CEOs of the future will have is empathy and the ability to actually look at how do people feel about their work, how are they coping, how are they managing, how can we improve their situation, and how can we therefore essentially get more out of them, um, but, but in a more effective way. Um, and I think we have to really look at uh, our leaders and, and start thinking uh, about leaders as needing to have you know, a very diff different mindset from a lot of the leaders of the last um, two or three decades. It's interesting you bring up the word empathy. I'm actually listening to a book by Alan Alda, and uh, Alda had created a communications institute at uh, Stony Brook University that aims to improve communications between scientists and people they're talking to, in particular doctors and their patients. And one of the big things that they talk about is exercises to improve empathy of physicians in communicating with their, with their patients. And you bring it up that improving empathy of the CEOs with their doctors, it seems that there's probably more empathy to be have on every, on, had on every level. I think that's true. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a ton of evidence to show that if you are a more empathic person, that you communicate better with your patients, your patients actually do better. They like you better. Um, uh, and uh, ultimately, you're able to be a better physician. When we talked a little bit earlier about uh, in independent physicians feeling more isolated, uh, the need for kind of systemic system changes, what, what steps, though, could be taken by independent physicians to either recognize or hopefully prevent burnout? Is there, is there something that you've seen that, that has worked on, on the more independent level? Yes, and I mean, I, like you, have been in private practice in the past in my career, and I really get how lonely and isolating that can be. Uh, I mean, I think the key, most important thing is to keep well connected with some colleagues. 
uh, and to ensure that you have people who you can talk to about difficult patients, difficult problems, um, that you have some collegial process going, um, and, uh, and friendships, um, you know, that are useful both professionally and personally. Uh, and you actually need to make the time for that. Um, and, and that's got to be part of your work plan. So, you know, you, you shouldn't be booking patients in 10, 12 hours a day, five, five six or days a week or longer. You need to give yourself some breaks and, and see a membership in a local medical society or going out to dinner with groups of colleagues or uh, meeting people at the gym or going on runs together or cycling together um, in groups uh, of colleagues or playing golf. Uh, you need to see those as being really important self-help approaches to life. It's not just a matter of taking a bit of time away from patients. It's actually giving you positive time for yourself. And I think one of the dangers of private practice is that the financial side you know, becomes overwhelming for many people. And they somehow feel that if they take a few hours off, they, they, that's quantified at, at a certain dollar level. But in reality, they, they should be thinking that if they don't take that time off, then they're not going to be investing in themselves to the same extent. So I think we've got to start taking that sort of self-investment mindset um, for, uh, for people in that environment. You mentioned that you were uh, moderating a podcast for the Medical Society and the Joy of Medicine program. Uh, and and it's, it is, it's fascinating. They have some great stories. Are there any in particular that you've heard or, or even maybe from your experience of physicians who seem to have been burned out but reinvented themselves that you think would be educational for some of our listeners? You know, we've done, I, I mean, there's, there's probably about 20, 25 um, examples of physicians being being interviewed on for that particular podcast. Um, several of them certainly have been burned out. Uh, the thing that has impressed me most, quite honestly, has been the extraordinary range of backgrounds that they've had. Um, you know, there's a couple of, it, of it, physicians I've interviewed who've come from, one from Russia that I remember very well, um, who had just overcome an ex a quite amazing number of barriers in her life to be able to become a, a physician in the United States and to be very successful at, at her job. Um, and it's quite extraordinary and humbling to see what some physicians actually do um, to, to be able to get to what is still a very you know, valued and important role uh, within our society. It's not an easy thing to succeed as a physician. Um, so so I, I've, that's what surprised me most, um, really trying to identify those stories and find people who, who've got this sort of unusual background and who've really overcome incredible barriers. Have you seen, um, in interviewing the physicians, have you seen a common thread that led them to the burnout that you weren't expecting from your previous experience? Well, I think, first of all, there's two, two groups of physicians we should think about here. The physicians that are generally featured on the podcast are not typically physicians who've been burnt out. They're, they're physicians who've been doing actually very well and who've come from, a, you know, maybe an unusual background or, or who've um, learnt 
successfully how to manage their stress. Um, I mean, when I see physicians as patients, it's a slightly different ballpark. And, um, and typically, you know, what you find is that, um, that they have got into a cycle whereby uh, they are getting stressed, they've got problems, whether it's personal problems at home or, or problems at work, perhaps problems with uh, an EMR or, or some other very specific issue. Um, and they have got into this cycle whereby they just think, if only I worked a bit harder, I'd solve this problem. And if you remember back in medical school, that's what we were all taught. We were just taught, you know, if you worked hard enough, you'd get good scores in the steps. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of physicians, you know, use that as their mantra in life. Um, and if they, you know, almost any problem can be overcome if you'll only work a bit harder and do a few more hours. Um, and, and so that's what they do. And then it doesn't work and it, and it fails. And then they get, then they start not sleeping and they're not looking after themselves. They give up uh, their, their physical fitness activities. They don't go to the gym anymore. Um, uh, and they gradually become anxious and depressed. And so I, I see the symptoms of burnout as being really almost a, a marker for potential um, depression or anxiety. Burnout's not a, an illness per se. It's not a psychiatric illness. It's, a, it's essentially a stress response. Um, and, uh, but, it's, but there's no question if you are burnt out, and, uh, then it, uh, it can make you much more vulnerable to developing uh, psychiatric illnesses and then, for instance, getting referred to someone like myself. We're talking with Dr. Peter Yellowlees, psychiatrist and chief wellness officer at UC Davis. You're listening to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk the top three with Dr. Yellowlees. Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. Hey! for taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're going to be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh. Change up my strategy. Okay. O is for optimize your savings. Let Avo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett, and today we've been talking with Dr. Peter Yellowlees, psychiatrist and chief wellness officer at UC Davis. This afternoon, we're going to ask Dr. Yellowlees his top three. And Peter, the top three I'm going to throw your way are what are the top three things you would suggest to physicians who are feeling burned out? So I think it's, first of all, acknowledge the fact that you're feeling burned out. And if necessary, do some reading about it. Think about the symptoms you've got. Think about why was it you got irritable with the uh, with, with your MA in, in clinic, you know, earlier on in the day, or why why are you thinking of patients as of numbers rather than people? Um, so, firstly, you know, acknowledge that that this is not normal for you, and this is not why you came into into medicine. Um, I think the second thing is really a very simple thing that we don't get our patients to do enough, is actually write down what you do during the week. Um, write yourself, write out your schedule and look at your schedule in terms of the amount of time you're working, the amount of time that you are doing things you really enjoy, you know, 
being with your partner, uh, you know, the hobbies, interests, um, you know, keeping fit. Um, and then the amount of time that you're, you're sleeping and, um, uh, and, and resting. And, and you'll find that uh, physicians typically have a lot of time at work, uh, not, not enough time uh, of sleep, and certainly not enough time enjoying themselves. Um, and, and, but actually try and be honest about it. So, so if, you, if you get people to say, uh, to, to do this exercise, and, and also at the same time say to them, so what, what are your real passions in life? What do you really like doing? Um, and, and get them to quantify the amount of time they actually do that. So people will say, well, I love going to art galleries and, and studying um, painting. Um, and then you, you follow up and say, well, look, um, how many times have you done that? How many hours have you spent on that in the last month? And, and, and uh, those people who have earned out will typically have done very little of that. Um, so, so look at what people like doing and then actually how much time um, do they spend on it? And finally, look at um, other things you're doing um, that are really not helpful. Like, are you drinking too much? Are you taking too many substances? Are you taking, you know, sleeping tablets, for instance, that you really don't need? Um, uh, are you putting on a lot of weight? Um, you know, are you, are you doing are there a whole lot of things that, that you're actively doing at the moment that are really not good for you? And can you change those? Um, so, so it's really uh, those, I guess those three areas would be things that I would suggest uh, for any physician to do who's starting to feel, feel burned out. And then actually challenge yourself to change. Um, and maybe change with your wife or your husband or a friend or a colleague and do things together. Uh, because it's often very much easier to, to change when you're, when you're actually doing something with someone else. I, I love the suggestion of actually writing things down. I think, and, and I hear it in a lot of different areas, but I think if you write it down and you actually see it on paper, you can no longer legitimize it mentally when it's actually concrete and in front of you. You have to accept that that's actually what's going on. Right, exactly. I mean, a ton of people say they really like sports, okay? So ask them, you know, how many times have you actually seen your local team in the last month? How much time have you spent on that? How much time have you played yourself? And, and you're right. I mean, seeing it written down objectively on paper is actually horrifying to many people. Peter, thanks for joining us. Uh, that's some great information. Um, I think, unfortunately, uh, several of our listeners will probably recognize the symptoms that you're seeing, but I'm hoping that the information you've given, the ideas you've given will, will kind of help turn them around as well. And if I can just make one last quick comment, because we've talked a little bit about suicide. If in fact, anybody listening to this, uh, you know, is suicidal, please talk to somebody else. Um, please. Uh, and if you know somebody who you think is suicidal, talk to them. Uh, you, nobody ever gave anyone the idea of suiciding. And uh, so it's an, it's an issue that you should bring up if you're concerned about it. Don't hide it and then uh, get people some help uh, if, if you need to do that. I, I absolutely agree. I don't think we should lose any physicians. Um, and just to put it out there, there is always the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, uh, 1-800-273-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, definitely reach out. 
Peter, thanks for joining us. I, I really appreciate the time. And as I said, some really great information. And thank you very much, DJ, and good for you for doing this podcast. We've been talking with Dr. Peter Yellowlees, psychiatrist and chief wellness officer at UC Davis, about physician well-being. You're listening to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett, and until next time, make it an awesome week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ask Me MD, Medical School for the Real World with Dr. DJ Verrett. If you have a question or an idea for a show, send us an email at questions at askmemdpodcast.com.